you had sent me that TikTok because that's where we get all of our good information. Of course. Yeah. Um, about that Celtic salt and there's some crazy benefits. Yeah. The more I look into it, the more it hydrates the body. Like it's never been hydrated. And then all those minerals that you add. Yeah. So where else are you getting those minerals nowadays? Yeah, exactly. There is a company called Trace Minerals and that's a good one. Um, they get, uh, their salt out of, uh, like the Great Salt Lake. Oh, so the salt flats. Yeah. Uh, and that's good stuff. But other than that, I mean, you're, you have to get sea salt from the ocean. Right. So... Well, and they're just, minerals don't really exist in the natural world anymore in our yeah. foods and stuff, right? We've, we've taken all the minerals out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. So you got to find them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's all depleted, or at least what I've read. Right. You know, it's depleted, and they're just not great about re, you know, doing different crops at different times. And, yeah. But I don't know. I, that's some stuff that I just don't know and realize, but it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me, too. And I think something like Celtic salt, it's not going to hurt you, so let's give it a try, right? Like, yeah. put it... Put it in your body and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's well, not the best thing for everything we do in life, eh, but... I, I like the experiment. <laughs> uh, the thing is, water does not hydrate us. Right. It's the electrolytes. Right. So, I mean, Gatorade was onto something when they yeah. made that electrolyte drink for the Florida Gators. And then pumped it full of sugar. Exactly. That's, so, that's the problem. Yeah. I was coaching a CrossFit class today, and there's this guy named Greg. I think he's 65, 66, just jacked. No body fat. I mean, the guy is... He's fit. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about, um, yeah, just food in general and the, the depletion of minerals and, and yeah. vitamins and everything. And um, almost like to a conspiracy theory oh. part of just like, well, yeah, we were taught in the 70s and 80s, go low fat. Well, instead of having fat, then they just pump sugar into it. Sugar's inflammatory. That's a problem. Yeah. And then we're taking the fat out, which is important because we need that for hormone regulation, especially females. And it just gets people sick and sick and fat. Which is where we live now. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's sick and fat. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if we want to get into the conspiracy side of that, I mean, it makes you dependent. Totally. And that's what the goal is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and we were talking, yeah, I've been learning a lot about peptides and different things lately, and that's just kind of giving our body <clears throat> what's already naturally produced. Yep. But that's never pushed big pharma wise because you don't want to fix somebody. Right. If you fix yeah. them, then they're not on blood pressure, blood pressure medication and statins. And absolutely. You got to keep them dependent yeah. on the monthly drug. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and growing up, and this is no fault of parents. It's just because they didn't know either. I mean, so I'm not saying our parents, I'm just talking in general, parents aren't teaching their kids nutrition. They're not saying, hey, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Right. They're saying, oh, that, those pizza bites are quick. Yeah. Throw those in the microwave. Yeah. What's on sale? <clears throat> yeah. Ramen noodle. Let's put plastic in your body. <laughs> yeah. It's they do, cheap. They do taste good, though. They do. I'm, I agree a thousand percent, <laughs> but it's still plastic going in your body, right? Totally. It can't be good for us. So, And there's definitely no nutritional value there. No, no, not at all. So a little bit of salt, some plastic, and see how you do. Yeah. Yeah. I like all the flavors except for the shrimp flavor. I just can't get over that. I only like chicken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like them all. And the oriental, the blue, the blue one. It's hmm. good. Interesting. <laughs> I probably have had ramen twice in the last decade. Yeah. I don't eat it very often. But we have it in the house for the kids, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's easy. Um, you know, the kids get home from school and, well, yeah. I don't have time. We've got so this and this going on. So uh, DoorDash some pizza. Yep. 
That's why crockpots are so good. Crockpots are amazing. Full of stuff. Yeah. And air fryers. We don't have one of those yet. They're they're pretty good. Yeah. Kira's figured some good stuff out. And uh, Stan Efferding uh, went down with him in <clears throat> last spring, and he cooked us some food and just got a hamburger patty and threw it in the air fryer for eight minutes at, I don't know, like 250 or something. Yeah. Just like perfect hamburger patty. Nice. So there are ways. Yeah, I'm sure. You just got to spend the time to learn it, and then yeah. you go from there. So, What's been good for me lately with sweets is that Ninja Creamy. So you pretty much take whatever you want. It could be high-protein chocolate milk, or you could make a protein shake, and then you put it in the freezer for 24 hours, get it out, stick it in the Ninja Creamy, hit the button, and it makes you ice cream. Huh. It's amazing. It, and I don't like sweets. Yeah, see, I, I, don't wish, even, I don't even crave them. Do you crave salty? Do you crave, yes. like, savory stuff? Yes. Okay. So, like, Dots pretzels? Yeah. I would crave those all the time. Yeah. Even when I'm eating right, I crave something like that. Interesting. So. Well, maybe adding that Celtic salt will change that a little, because then Possibly. you're getting more. You know, it's like when pregnant ladies are, yeah, they're they want dirt. Right. Like, well, you're probably depleted of minerals. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to try that and see. I don't really crave a lot anymore, though. I actually crave mm. like chicken and rice. I crave it. That's awesome. So, yeah. That doctor that I've been seeing up in Driggs, uh, she's really big on gut health and nutrition, and okay. uh, she talks about how we have so many different bacterias in our body that crave certain things yeah. that if you just get rid of those certain things for six weeks, you don't have those cravings yeah. anymore. So it's the bacteria that wants the sugar. Well, it's like the sugar, right? So it's, it's the parasite in the brain yeah. that craves it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. So once you starve that parasite and it leaves your body, you no longer crave what it, what it wanted to yeah. live off of. So I give sweets early on. And I, not that I really even, I mean, I like Reese's peanut butter cups, but that's about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't even like them anymore. Really? They're gross. Weird. Yeah. I tried one thinking, oh, I love these things and they're gross. Maybe you got COVID and it changed your palate. Maybe. I probably got it four or five times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Reese's might be one that I just never, yeah. never give up. I was, I was fully expecting them when I had that Reese's egg, you know, cause oh, yeah. they're even better cause yep. they're fresh and there's more peanut butter. Yeah. Hated it. Yeah, the peanut butter to chocolate ratio on those are incredible. Yeah, I talked to Hershey's. That is why. Really? They put the they put more peanut butter in. Interesting. Yep. And they're fresher because it's a holiday. Oh, okay. So those two things make them better. Yeah. Well, their marketing is on point, which is probably the the problem. Yeah. You know, they're like, hey, we added Reese's Puffs into these ones. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Like, like I need more. Yeah. That? Okay. <laughs> you added uh, salted, well, chips. potato chips. Yeah. yeah. Potato chips. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So how long ago did you start to not crave those things? Probably around the first of the year. Okay. So I, I cut it out back <clears throat> last November, and probably around the first of the year, I didn't crave them anymore. In fact, I didn't purposefully, I purposefully stayed away from sugar. So if, if, I, if it was found natural in some food, I ate it. Yeah. But I purposefully stayed away from anything with added sugar until I had that Reese's egg in like April. Yeah. And so I hadn't really had anything like that for five, six months, and it was disgusting. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've had a pretty significant transformation over the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. So it's, uh, it's been a journey that I've tried to take many times in my life. Yeah. So, yeah. Which I think is a very common, common thing. I think that's just, everyone experiences it, right? For the yeah. most part, very few people don't go through some sort of a fitness, uh, journey yeah. in their lives. And I think we try everything and nothing ever works. Yeah. 
So we continue to try more things. For sure. So. Yeah. And I don't know if it's that nothing works. It's that we don't maybe give it the time that is required. And, and I will I will say this. Uh, whether we give it the time or not, what we don't give it is the mentality to make it successful. Yeah. So the last time I made the change, it has nothing to do, in my opinion, with the lifestyle changes I made. It had to do with simply my thought processes around that, st- that change. Okay. I no longer... <clears throat> I didn't live and die by what the scale said. I didn't yeah. live and die by the results. I lived and died by the process. Okay. Knowing that the process was going to be consistent no matter what the results were yeah. and that I was going to be happy with whatever results I got. And that was really the change for me was the mental side of it. Yeah. So when people say, what have you done? I'm like, oh, intermittent fasting is great. The truth is, if I had the same mentality, the first time I got on the scale and didn't lose weight, I would have picked out. Yeah. And said, screw it, I'm not going to fast for 18 hours, I'm going to eat all day long. Yeah. So that was probably the change for me, was after all these fad diets, and I've tried it all. Yeah. I injected like a pregnant woman's hormones into my yeah, stomach. The yeah, the HCG. Yeah, I did that. That can't be good for you. No. But uh, <laughs> I did it, and I did keto, and I did um, Atkins, and I did anything you could imagine. Yeah. And... Of course, none of it worked because I was in the wrong mental state. That makes sense. So I, I do want to get into mentality more, but bring us clear back, like high school, and high school on, like kind of that, that journey, because it takes some, quote, failure in order yeah. to stimulate the success. Yeah. So, I mean, high school, I don't think I was ever, I was, I was probably a little bit chunky, um, pretty, you know, I, I enjoyed sports and stuff, so I was pretty active. Uh, left to serve an LDS mission way in, I don't know, but 190 probably. Yeah. Uh, left the MTC way in probably 210 because they have this like chocolate milk oh, that you can so chew. Yep. It's, it's amazing. So great. Um, went and served, was out for probably 18 months, continually gaining a little bit of weight, not too much. Finally, about six months to go, said, oh, I need to go home in shape. Yeah. So started eating a lot of fruits, um, didn't eat after 6 p.m., not knowing what I was doing. It was yeah. just, you know, this works. Got up every morning and ran. And got home from my mission in 1997 at 172 pounds. Cool. So felt like I was there. Yeah. I got up every morning and ran five miles Yeah. at 21 years old. And it was great. This was June, July, August of that year. Then it, then it snowed. <laughs> and running five miles no longer was fun. Yeah. And that was really the, the beginning of the end. Like then I just didn't really, I wasn't as active anymore. Whatever happens in the body happens. And I slowly gained weight. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly where I was at each year. All I know is that the highest I got to was 340 pounds. Yeah. So in that time from 172 to 340, there was several different attempts at yo-yo diets and roller coaster diets and roller coaster weight loss. And I would lose 20 pounds and I'd gain 30 back. Yeah. And I'd lose 40 pounds and I'd gain 60 back until finally gaining that that final number of 340.2. Yeah. So it uh there was always something that worked. Like every diet worked. Yeah. To for a for an amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I learned that. I learned that whatever I did would probably work. But what I learned was that it eventually wouldn't and I would gain it all back. So what was it at that number 340 340, I don't know what it was of that number, but I said so before that, I lost about 70 pounds. I went from about 300 down to 230. And I worked my ass off. Yeah. I, uh, I was in the gym every day on the elliptical with everything turned up, like incline, resistance, and I would just leave a pool of sweat underneath me. 
uh, Moses Kinney Kinney. He was on the Ultimate Loser, the Biggest Loser on NBC. Yeah. Him and I would work out side by side, and it was disgusting the amount of sweat on the floor <laughs> from us two big fat men. And I worked my butt off to lose all that weight and got down to 230. And I maintained for quite a while, a little bit of bouncing here and there. And then when I got back to that 340, I knew the journey I was going to have to take, and I didn't want to take it again. Because yeah. I knew how hard that 70 pounds that I had lost was. Yeah. And so at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to take the easy way, and I'm going to go get surgery. I'm going to get lap band or whatever it was. Um, went through that whole process. Now, by the way, anyone who's listening to this and had that, it's not the easy way. I know how yeah. hard now that I've you know yeah, heard sure. about it. But that for me, that was the easy way. I'm just going to make my stomach so small that I can't eat everything I want to. So I went through that entire process with the doctor. I had to lose a bunch of weight. I had to go through mental testing to yeah. make sure I wasn't like suicidal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all the way to the point I had to lose some weight. I got on the operating table and I expected to wake up with this small stomach and this lifestyle change. And I remember waking up on the operating table and the doctor telling me, I'm sorry, Brandon, I couldn't do it. There was too much belly fat and I'm afraid if I try, I could have cut you and you could have bled out on the table. So, like, punch in the face, right? Yeah. So the next week, I go back to the doctor, and she says to me, look, this was probably, this was around November of the year before, um, the change I made, big change, or two years before. She said, come back 25 pounds lighter by, by December 30th, so we can still get this on your insurance for the year. Yeah. And, and we're going to go from there. So I went home, and I told Cherish, I just said, if I lose 25 more pounds, I'm already halfway to my goal. Yeah. So I told her I'm going to do it on my own. And she was great with that. And then for the next, you know, year plus, I bounced all over the place. And so that's at 340s when I made that decision. Got down to 250-ish, 260-ish, and then back up to 300 okay. in November of last year. Yeah. So November of last year was when I touched 300 again and, and was just disgusted with myself. Like, how did I let it happen to me again for yeah. the umpteenth time in my life? And so that's when the true transformation started. But before that, I tried it all. Yeah. And just yo-yoed. And I think many, many people can relate to that. Anyone who's tried to lose weight. I think just about everybody who's tried to lose weight, right? And, and this may go back to the things we were talking about at the first and the minerals and the lack of nutrients and all these different things that, you know, living off of fast food or, or quick food at the house that we microwave. I'm sure all that plays a part in it. Yeah. We're not just, we're not healthy people because we live in a world of convenience. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I had to make a decision on what, what I was going to do. And, and when I was losing the weight for the doctor, I was doing intermittent fasting. So I knew that that was a process that worked for me. And so when I decided in November to, to go down this path again, I knew that's the tool I was going to use. Yeah. But... Um, lucky for me, I've spent the last decade plus of my life down the mentality road. I'm, I coach baseball where we talk about mentality. Um, I read books that talk about mentality, right? All things I taught people yeah. didn't apply it, but yeah. I taught it. Um, I'd spent several years in a row going to a baseball camp with my son and, and then putting them on in Southeast Idaho with a guy from the Dominican Republic. And he gave us a band around our, our wrist that says, get your mind right, G-Y-M-R. And he talks about it all the time. And 
for whatever reason, in November of last year, that's what sang to me. Get your mind right before you start this journey. And so that's what I did. That's cool. So how, what did you do to get your mind right then? Now, that part, I think, honestly, was just a decision that I made. Because there's real, I, I had all the tools. I'd seen all the, the research, all the things that I needed to do from a mental side of things. Yeah. I just don't know that I ever pl- applied them completely. Yeah. So the decision I made that day was that no matter what the scale said every day, no matter how I felt, I was going to find a way to keep my mind in the direction of you're going to be healthy the rest of your life no matter what because that's the path you're on and there's no other path for you moving forward. Yeah. And in the past, again, I would let that scale tell me you gained a pound and I was in the gym like working my tail off so I'd get pissed. Yeah. I'd go eat a piece of cake. Yeah. Or I'd go eat a cake. You know, whatever oh, it totally. was. Totally, yeah. Because I was so mad about it. I, I wasn't going to allow that to happen this time. I said my, my mental state is all that matters. Consistency in in my food and how I was eating was going to be important and it, it literally was just a decision I made I wish I had the magic yeah of of what happened to me mentally because that's what would change lives yeah <clears throat> well I I do believe that that magic it does not have an answer of just read this out loud five times a day and you're going to be okay you actually had to go through all of that yo-yo and the the heartbreak of waking up on the table yeah. without it and that sort of thing in order to produce the magic you know that magic mental shift yeah i i and i agree and <clears throat> i think one of the keys i use and i still use it today and this has kind of become one of my core beliefs in life is be present so the past doesn't matter all you can do is learn from it and too many people live in the past and, yeah. they, and, and they've had some shitty things happen in the past. Yeah, for sure. So I can understand why it might be different from them. <clears throat> the future doesn't exist. Tomorrow's not promised. A minute from now is not promised to us. Yeah. I had to be present. So that meant that the decision I made at noon on what to put in my body was all that mattered. Not what I ate the night before, not what I was going to eat later that day, but that moment and being present in my consistency I think was a huge deal for me because I wasn't jumping ahead to the next thing. And I wasn't looking back at the last thing. I was just making one decision and that's all I had to make. One decision to not eat until noon. And at noon, make the smartest choice I could make. If I planned accordingly, high protein, low carb. If I didn't, low calorie. Those are the only things I cared about. But I only had to make one decision. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we want to get into the deeper side of this, that's really life. Just be present. And if you can do that, you only have to make one decision at a time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Which is probably <clears throat> difficult to do in now in today's world when it's, hey, I sent you that TikTok. Did you watch it? Yeah. I was scrolling on Instagram. Which is interesting because as I've gone through this process on the, on the lifestyle change, I've also noticed like a couple of years ago, if you sent me a text, it was responded to in a matter of seconds. Yeah. If you sent me a, a TikTok or an Instagram, whatever, now... There's times where I go several hours or days without responding to stuff. Yeah. Because I'm not presently doing that. Yeah. Uh, Cherish and I were laughing about this the other day. She, she had sent me like 10 TikToks, right? And they were all there together. I hadn't seen any of them yet. Yeah. I hadn't been on TikTok for 10 days. Or yeah. <laughs> and before, I wouldn't have allowed that. I would have like immediately checked. Oh, someone sent me something. Yeah. I got to let them know. 
<clears throat> and I guess part of that is I care about me more now. Yeah. And less about what other people think. I still care. I still want to respond to them. I still want to give them what they ask for, but I don't have to respond immediately. And again, be part of that being present. Yeah. So. Well, and how you do anything is how you do <clears throat> everything. So yes. you're being present in food. Well, that's going to translate to being present in other parts of life. In everything. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think as I've gone through this, I've, I've learned what my core beliefs are and they've all translated in some way into my health journey. So I think as people go through this, they got to learn who they are. And, and the more you know about yourself, the more successful I think you can be. Again, I, I say think because I don't know. Yeah. It's worked for me. Whether it works for other people, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well okay. <clears throat> if you look at, I'm trying to think of all the mega rich people that I know. None of them are crazy overweight. Maybe a little tiny bit. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that, that might be linked right there. And then I'm trying to think of, like, church leaders. I don't know of any that are super overweight either. Like, it, I think it all translates. It's all there. If you're learning to take care of your body, you're now learning to take care of the vessel that holds our emotions and our mental state and our spiritual self and, you know, all of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're probably exactly right. So again, how you do anything is yeah. how you do everything. And <clears throat> if I was always worried about responding and, and having answers. I mean, that, that happens now in just conversations. I don't listen to respond anymore. I listen to understand. Yeah. And if I can understand, then I can respond to you in a way that makes sense, which is probably going to be a question because I don't like to give you answers anymore. Um, again, all part of this journey and things I've always thought about and read about but never done. So now when we talk about emotional intelligence in conversation – it's about me gaining, gaining all the knowledge I can before I give you my response. And my response will probably be questions so I understand it even better until you just give me the answer that I'm probably looking for the whole time. Yeah. And I think that's just part of, part of becoming a leader in everything we do. Yeah. And, and the first place I have to lead is myself. Yeah. Well, and that, that is also the natural coach in you. You know, you don't want to give the answers because no one's going to, if you tell me like, Hey, write in your gratitude journal every single night. And your new goal is to write down 10 things that you want to become I'm like, okay, I'll write those things down for you. But if you're grilling me, I'm like, I don't know. I, maybe I could write down 10 things that I want to become. Now it's my idea. Now I'm invested in it. Yeah. Instead it's, it's, Hey, wh what are some of the things you're grateful for today? Have you ever thought about writing those down? And then a few days later, I'm like, Hey, what did you write down the other night? Right. Yeah. It gets, it, it's your idea. So yeah. I actually just got finished doing a training where I talked about this. Like, if I say it to you, it's a lie because you don't have to believe what I say. But if you say it, it's the truth. If we go, out, if, if I come in the building and I say, hey, the sky is purple. You're like, shut up. It's not purple. Yeah. You're an idiot. If I walk outside and look at it and it's purple and I say, oh, you're right. It is purple. Now it's the truth. Hmm. So as leaders, we have to get other people to give the answers to themselves and not give them the answers. Because, again, what, if I go back to my health journey, it has nothing to do with the answers uh, Atkins gave me. Yeah. I'd have just eat a lot of meat. That didn't do me any good. I had to find the answers for myself. And that's why at times I'm very worried about giving someone what I've done yeah. to, to, to lose all the weight because I'm not sure it's going to work for them. For sure. 
and so it's a lie to them until they actually use it. And again, yeah. what worked for me might not work for you. Yeah. But what I do know will work is the mentality side of it. For sure. If you have that, then you'll be successful no matter what vessel you choose or what path you choose to become healthier. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, so how much? How many pounds total have you lost? Uh, 135. That's um, that's amazing. And 95 of that is since November. Cool. So since the mentality shift, right? It's 95 of that. Right. That's and and again, I'd lost you know 70 something before that, and then gained most of that back, or all but 40 pounds of it back. And now, I mean, I cannot imagine gaining weight. Yeah. And, and by gaining weight, I mean, you know, a significant yeah. amount. Right yeah. now, I balance between 205 and 210 pretty consistently for the last couple of months. And in the past, I would have been pissed. Yeah. I would have been so mad right now, and I would have probably gone and had cheat days and blah, blah, blah. Instead, what do I do? A 72-hour fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To see if I can spark that back in my body. But if it didn't work, which it didn't, yeah. I'm still floating 205 to 210, I don't care. Yeah. Because I've lost 135 pounds. Exactly. I feel better than I've felt in decades. I look better than I've looked in decades. I look probably 10, 10 years younger than I did in November. Yeah. So I don't care that I'm hovering at 205. It's called a plateau. It, yeah. I will break through it. And I've had a few plateaus in this process. So I don't worry about it. I don't care how long I'm there because I'm going to continue to be consistent, be present, and do the things that work for me. Yeah. And those things that you're trying out, like the 72-hour fast even though it didn't break through the plateau, the health benefits are incredible. And we all know the health benefits of eating high protein and eating vegetables and eating the good things. Yeah. You know, it's pretty crazy to eat those things. And then, like you said, the Reese's just didn't taste good. Right. Sometimes I'll think the Reese's does taste good, but I don't feel good two hours later. No. I feel sluggish. Like, what am I eating that's making me sluggish? Probably Diet Mountain Dew with sugar-free peach and mango. Yeah. Yeah. If I will say this, like... I think intermittent fasting is great. And I think that there's a lot of tools out there. But I will say this. If you can go fast and do a significant fast, 72. I did a five-day fast when I started this process. I went five days of nothing but water, Powerade Zero. So yeah. still had some stuff there. And I think I did chicken broth two nights, like just a cup of chicken broth yeah. in a five-day fast. Regardless if that sent me down a path of intermittent fasting or not, the benefits of a five-day fast from the mental side alone were fascinating. At the end of five days, I had a plan to go have steak and potato. And I remember texting you going, I might not eat tonight. Yeah. I don't think I need to. That's like, awesome. I'm doing really good. And I feel really good. So I would say of all the health things that we talk about, like I would, I would tell everyone, you've got to try to do long-term fasting. If it's 25 hours to start with, you've never done more than yeah. 24, do that. But first of all, have a plan. Second of all, know you're going to make it no matter what. Yeah. And then go do it. 72 hours, 96 hours, I don't, 20 days, whatever yeah. you're going to do, go do it. Yeah. Which uh, I have a friend, Tom, he's done a 21 day fast. Which I'm fascinated by and I can't wait to do someday. Yeah. But I got to be in the right mental state for it. Oh, that. for sure. Because... I could say I'm going to go do 21 days right now, but there's no way because I'm not in the right mental state to go yeah. 21 days. But I'm fascinated by that idea. I'm fascinated by the idea of a 40-day fast. People do it. Yeah. I know it can be done. Am I in the right mental state to do it? No. When I am, I'm going to. Yeah. I think the longest recorded medical fast was like 390 days. Wow. So this guy checked himself into a hospital. This is back before you know all the regulations and stuff that probably keep you from doing this. Um, checked himself into a hospital and he only had water and I do think there were electrolytes. Okay. So, yeah. you know, salt and that sort of thing. 
and um, his goal was to come out at like 180. And I don't remember how much weight he lost, but it was significant. I mean, I think I think he was over 400 pounds. Okay. And then he came out under, like under uh, 200. So wow. you know, 180s, 190s. And uh, his first meal back was a piece of toast and an egg. Mm. And he said, one, he forgot that food tasted so good. Yeah. And two, uh, he was insanely full. Oh, I'm sure. After an egg and a piece of bread. Yeah, I'm sure. And and again. In a world of convenience, our stomachs are huge. Yeah. Because I can get food anytime I want. If we go back to, you know, the Wild West, you ate when you could. You ate after you did your chores in the morning and then sometime at the end of the night. Yeah. That's all you... So your stomachs weren't... You, you couldn't even eat enough calories to yeah. gain weight. And now I can just sit in front of the TV and eat 74 bags of chips if I need to. Mm-hmm. Right? So our stomachs are just such different vessels than they used to be. And that's a big negative. Yeah. Because now, if I go have a steak and potato, I can't finish it. And before, I could have a steak and a potato and a salad and another potato and a dessert, and then I'd go home and have ice cream. I mean, I could do it all. Yeah. But now, I don't have the ability to put that much food in my stomach anymore. And I also don't push myself to. Once I'm full, I'm full. I don't care how much is left. Yeah, yeah, which is so important. Eat to 80% full. Eat yeah. to 90% full. Because once we then drink something after we've eaten it, it's going to expand in our stomach anyways. So yeah. we don't feel just like we've eaten so much and we're all bloated right as we finish eating. It's 20 minutes later. Oh, I ate so much. Yeah. Also, too, you'd mentioned Wild West. Um, we've all heard the breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We've heard it. Yeah, we've heard it. It was a marketing ploy that was done in the 50s and 60s to get people to eat more bacon and eggs. Now, I'm good with bacon and eggs. Yeah. I think those are very important. Yeah. But the sales numbers were down. So, I don't know, maybe there's not any more, but big big bacon and big egg companies hired this guy. And he was also the guy that pushed sugar, which is interesting. And he came up with this whole most important meal of the day thing. And then he got a whole bunch of doctors on board. Yeah. And they said, yes, it's the most important meal of the day. It's never been the most important meal of the day. Why would waking up to food be important if we have the mechanisms in our body to essentially eat our own body, uh, autophagy? So yeah. it goes in and we're, we're using our body. Yeah. And I haven't had breakfast in nine months. That's awesome. I mean, I have. I've had breakfast food. Yeah. And there are days where I'll, I'll have something going on in the morning, so I'll eat breakfast and lunch and won't eat dinner. But, okay. I mean, I haven't needed breakfast for nine months now. Yeah. Because it's not the most important meal of my day. Yeah. The only important meal of my day is the one in front of me. Yeah. And I don't have one of those till noon and then 5.30. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, and then if people do eat breakfast, I follow this doctor. I don't remember his name. Doctor something. Uh, he says, don't be a kid anymore. Like, you don't need cereal. Yeah. Like cereals for kids. And even then they shouldn't be eating it, but you're an adult. You can eat some eggs. Yeah. And those people out there that are eating five to 10 eggs a day, are some of the healthiest people on the planet. Absolutely. Even though we've been taught, well, eggs have cholesterol. Right. So if you eat cholesterol, you're going to have high cholesterol or we eat cholesterol and our body doesn't need to store that cholesterol. We don't need to have it floating around in our blood. Yeah. There's... There's what we've been told, and then there's what actually works. Yeah. And so, again, it, it's probably different for everybody, but for me, I could I could live on an omelet a day. Oh, sounds terrific so to good. me. Do, do a six egg omelet with a little bit of 
bacon in there and, and some uh, sour cream probably, and I'm good. Yeah. I can just eat the one meal a day and be stuffed. So, Have you found any foods that kind of tear you up or, or make you feel crappy after you've gone on those fasts and come back to food? Yeah, just about everything. Yeah. I mean, if it's, an, if it's, not, a, if it's not a natural food, if it's, if it's not a whole food, I guess is the way we put it, then that's going to get me every time. Interesting. So I can do white rice. Um, yeah. I do really well with rice, and it never affects me in any way. But if you throw a lot of carbs in there, you throw sugar in there, it's, it's gonna, I'm going to feel like crap. So I break my fast usually with uh, a steak, or I'll do uh, steak and rice, or chicken and rice, and that's usually how I break my fast. Cool. Yeah, well, rice digests so well. Uh, in the vertical diet, Stan Efferings diet, white rice and sweet potatoes they're they're a staple okay like that's really where you get your carbohydrates but i've heard white rice is so bad for me so yeah. well yeah it's it's tough who knows what to believe but i believe uh, my body that's yeah, what i've got exactly so i and i, I yeah. do really and i crave it i crave chicken and rice every day i crave steak and rice like that's it i don't crave anything else that's cool yeah no, i think that's great i mean with white rice you're not getting nutritional content out of it you but you're having an easy digesting carbohydrate and so I've even heard and read things about how white rice is better for you than brown rice. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, because yeah. when it's bleached or whatever, there some phytogen or some anti-nutrient is taken out, and then it digests better. I, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. being in tune with yourself enough to know, hey, white rice is very good on my stomach. Yeah. And chicken's great, and steak is amazing, and sweet potatoes are good, and yeah. so is your occasional Idaho russet. Yeah. That's perfect. And what's crazy is that we spend our whole lives eating food that makes it, makes us feel like crap. Yeah. And we're okay with it. Yeah. I wonder, though, if people literally go through their whole life not knowing that they feel like crap. It, it has to be that, doesn't it? Because I think if, so. Because once you know, why would you continue to do it? Yeah. I just... I, and again, different mental state. Totally. Whatever works for me, but I just... I'm not going to go eat something now that makes me feel like crap. And I, I love food, okay? So, yeah. I mean, what the conversation we're having right now, I love food. I am a huge fan of good-tasting food. Yeah. But I'm willing to give up taste for the lifestyle that I have. For sure. And uh, I know, like, mom and dad always talk about, I, I don't remember even saying this, by the way, but mom and dad talk about all the time. They say that I said to them, um, I used to live to eat, and now I eat to live. So now I live, I, now I eat for sustenance, yeah. for energy and the ability to stay alive. And before I used to be like, oh, my next meal, what can I have? Ooh, this looks good. Yeah. So I've, I'm the leanest I've ever been, but I still live like that. I mean, I'm thinking just barely, I was like, ooh, what can I have? I'm going to go over to the pit barbecue and then tonight I'm going to go elk hunting. So what do I get on the way there? Cause I, like, I'm still there. Interesting. Yeah. But now we, we live completely different lifestyles. I mean, you are way into fitness and you're always working out. I don't really go to the gym. Yeah. So that's the other part that blows people away, right? I've lost 135 pounds and I don't go to the gym. Yeah. Um, I go on when I'm doing good and it's not every day. I try to do three 10 minute walks a day. Cool. Something I learned from you, right? Um, but that's it. I mean, I've, I've lifted lately. I've started thinking I need to build some more muscle and stuff. But I also have this mental block with lifting that I always feel like I stop losing weight. And I haven't overcome that mental block yet. So I think by lifting and seeing myself stay at the plateau, I'm thinking to myself, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Now, it hasn't been so bad that I've quit eating right, but For I've sure. quit lifting again because yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, come on. 
even though I know that muscle weighs more, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know. Well, but it's hard. It's, it's a tough thing, especially when you are now associated with it. You've had a past in it. So, you know, Hey, when I lift, I don't lose weight. So we got that mental block. Yeah. Uh, but this might also be a good opportunity to go, Hey, I'm going to be consistent for six months, no matter what. And I'm just going to do it because I know that gaining muscle is important. And yeah. I know being, you know, being strong so that I'm not the 90 year old that's fallen and can't get off the floor. Right. And yeah, but that might, that will come. It doesn't need to exactly. be right now. And it's like you say, it's back to those same ideas that I've talked about with nutrition. It is be consistent, be present, right? Those, those things. If I can translate that into the next part of my weight loss journey or my fitness journey, then yeah, it's going to work. I have no doubt. Yeah. I just haven't sold out to that yet. For sure. From a mental standpoint. So there'll come a time. Yeah. I have no doubt about it um, <clears throat> because that's part of the journey that I know I'm, I'm taking. So We'll see when that happens. Yeah. What have your blood markers done? No idea. Okay. The only thing I, I don't go to the doctor. I've, I've always been super healthy. Um, I hate the doctor. I think they're a waste of my time. I went probably eight to 10 years ago with just headaches all the time. And come to find out my blood pressure was through the roof. The yeah. doctor said, I need you to go pick up this prescription right now. I need you to take one and come sit in my office until your blood pressure comes down because you are borderline going to have a heart attack. Wow. So I drove to the Brolums in Rigby. I took one. I went and sat back in his office, and it brought my blood pressure down to a level where he was happy and allowed me to leave. Yeah. Um, I don't take blood pressure medication anymore. That's awesome. Not because my doctor said anything, because I don't need it. Yeah. No, I don't. I have it, and there's been a time or two where I've felt like, oh, this kind of tension headache's coming, and I'll take half a pill or something. But I don't want to be dependent on it for the rest of my life. For sure. And that's why I'm looking at the Celtic salt side of things because maybe that will help translate the last little bit of blood pressure that I seem to still have a little high at times. Maybe that'll take care of it so I don't have to go down that drug road anymore. Yeah. It would be cool if you could find some past labs. Like if you've ever gotten labs done and then go get labs done again and just look. So I talk a lot about Stan Efforting because that's yeah. where I've learned most of the nutritional stuff that I, that I teach. And he will post things like a blood pressure of 111 over 70. And he said, this is the PRs that should matter, the personal records that should matter. Yeah. And he'll have pictures of people that have lost a significant amount of weight and their blood markers are there and then also blood pressure and what it's done throughout time. And it's crazy because we don't need, obviously like people should talk to their doctor and and go to the doctor and do all that. But in my opinion, we don't need all of those drugs. We right. just need to be feeding ourselves and actually giving ourselves nutrients and sustenance so that our body can regulate itself. And our bodies are insane healers. Yeah. They want to heal. Um, and I don't have a lot of like my own thoughts, so I always have to bring up other people. So that doctor in Victor, yeah, she turned me on to this book about how your body tells you. Your body tells you everything. So... If you have high blood pressure, it doesn't mean that you have high blood pressure. It means you're not doing something right for your body. And she's like, have you ever just sat in in silence and asked your body what it needs? I'm like, no, (laughs) I have never done that ever. Like not even thought about it. And uh, she's like, well, you need to start. You need to sit there and ask your body what it needs. Hmm. Like, oh, you're not sleeping very good at night. What does your body need? I don't know what it needs. In my mind, need sleep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In my mind, it's my mind. Yeah. She's like, well, it might be your mind, or it might be your body. Interesting. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Well, 
our bodies definitely tell us a lot. There's no doubt about that. Um, you, especially like with food, your body tells you everything you need to know about food. Um, I think that's why it's crazy. Like all the different things that people go through, like gluten intolerance and, and I'm allergic to this, I'm allergic to that. Are you like, is that really a thing? Or is that just like proof that you, none of us should be eating the things that are making yeah. your body feel that way? Yeah. You know, is it really intolerance or is it just the fact that it's not good for you? Like, and, and not that you're allergic to it, you're just, it's not good for us. And, yeah. And I don't know, I'm not gluten intolerant, so yeah. I couldn't really say what that looks like, but I can tell you this, eating a lot of bread makes me feel like crap. Yeah. So I, I, and I can't imagine anyone feels good eating a lot of bread. No. So I yeah. think it's all we need to know. Yeah. Uh, there's some really cool stuff coming out now too. There's something called a Dutch panel and it, it's, uh, let's see, it was the Dutch panel. Yeah, I think it was the Dutch panel. So uh, you wake up and you pee in a cup and then you put this thing in your mouth like a swab and you label it exactly what time you you urinated and mm-hmm. then when you put that swab in your mouth and then you do it 30 minutes after you wake up 60 minutes after you wake up then you do it from 11 to noon then you do it at 5 and 6 and then right before you go to bed and it's telling you testosterone and estrogen and cortisol levels and everything throughout the day so before we'd go get a lab done and they're yeah. like oh well arbitrarily at 11 a.m here's your testosterone levels. Right. Well, now they're able to see and trend it. Hmm. And then there's another one, and I wish I knew the name, um, but I can try to find it, and I can link it in the in the show notes. And it's a stool test. And oh. it's weird to poop in yeah. a cup and then scoop it out, but um, it tells intolerances, and it's pretty dang accurate. So hmm. I was on the phone with this, or on the Zoom call with this doctor, and she goes, so you look like you have red hair. And I'm like, well, it's kind of a red beard, but... You know, it's more blonde and kind of turning brown. She's like, okay, well, it's the same thing. Um, and it looks like you have blue eyes. I'm like, yeah. She went, I'm just going to guess you're of Northern European descent. And uh, that being said, you probably have a pretty significant um, gluten intolerance. I was like, I, I don't know. I feel pretty good eating gluten. And she's like, well you know, maybe give it up for a while and then try it again and, and see what happens. And, yeah. and then we do these tests and I haven't got them back, but I'm very hmm. curious. Interesting. Uh, and it's essentially like there are certain places that you come from that have intolerances to certain things. And she just, she's a pretty good doctor and she does this stuff and has seen these trends. So she can now just look at someone and go, Oh, Northern European descent. You probably should cut back on the gluten. Uh-uh. And then she'll say, because we have so many neurons in our in our digestive system, we have more neurons in our gut and our digestive system than we do in our brain. So if we're not feeding it the right fuel, well, now those connections are dysregulated. Mm. So we have autonomic and sympathetic nervous system dysregulation, and we've got all these you know medical problems. Well, maybe if we ate the right food, we wouldn't have the medical problems. You've got Hippocrates. He's the father of modern yeah. medicine or whatever. He said, let food be thy medicine. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. I've actually heard of a diet, by the way, where you get your blood tested, like I, or your DNA test. Yes. And where your origins are, and they, they give you a diet based off of yeah. that. So that She's exists. actually pretty big on that. Okay. So one of those tests will tell me okay. whatever it was. Interesting. And I'm, I'm willing to try anything, so. Yeah. I'll yeah, try I it. Think, I mean, I think we, again, so core belief time for me question everything yeah so question everything including everything you've ever been taught or believed and 
then test it for yourself. And, for sure. And it'll either strengthen your beliefs or it will change your beliefs. But question everything. And so the more knowledge you get, the more you can question and the more you can make decisions for yourself yeah. based off the knowledge you have. Yeah. So. And those decisions are going to carry clout in your own mind. Absolutely. But if she were to say, stop eating gluten. Right. Well, I don't want to stop eating gluten. Don't yeah. tell me what to do. Yeah. But he, here's a test. And you tested that you have a gluten intolerance. Yeah. Which I didn't know this either, but in if nobody ever, if somebody never ate gluten, mm -hmm. they would never get celiac. Oh. So it's not like you're born with celiac. You you actually get it over time of eating gluten when you have such an intolerance that then you have celiac. Mm. And then if you have one autoimmune disease, you likely have three or four others. Gotcha. But you'd never get there if you never ate gluten. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Right. Or dairy. What does dairy do to you? Uh, you know, I don't eat a lot of dairy. Never have. Never liked milk. But I've heard a, I've heard a lot of stories yeah. about people and, and their intolerances to, to dairy. But um, I really couldn't tell you what it does to me because I just don't have it very much. Um, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a glass of milk. Yeah. I don't really drink milk, and I never have. I guess I'd have it in cereal once in a while. If I had yeah. enough sugar in it, it probably tasted good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's but some of the best milk after <clears throat> Fruity Pebbles and yeah, Tricks. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they should just make milk like that, right? <laughs> I think they do now. They probably do. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, I, I couldn't really tell you what it does to me because I, I just don't really, never really like, like milk at all. I, I think it's because I grew up with skim milk in the fridge, so I didn't touch the stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that light blue crap. Yeah. Um, so I know you're living more in the present moment. But you are still a goal-oriented person. So yeah. what are your short-term and long-term goals with all of this? That's interesting because I actually don't have any goals that are in the future. Cool. It, it is literally that today at 5.30, I will eat the right food for my dinner and I won't eat after that. Um, I guess being with that being said, I would like to get... I used to say I want to get under 200 pounds. Now I have this weird desire to get down to 170 so I can actually say I lost half my body. That's cool. So it's not necessarily because I think 170 is a magical number for me, but I'm like, yeah. if I lost half my body weight in the last couple of years, I think that would be a pretty impressive thing to do. Yeah. Um, I do want to lose another five or six pounds by November so I can lost, say I lost over 100 pounds in a year. For sure. But none of those things are like... Uh, necessarily things I'm shooting for, just kind of hopes that I have, but I don't really have any long-term goals and that I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Yeah. It's just the way I am. Um, <clears throat> but I, my, my first goal at this point, so short-term 199, yeah. I really want to get under 200 pounds for the first time since I couldn't even tell you when, Yeah. probably like 1999, somewhere in there. So a, a quarter of a century ago. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be cool. But six pounds really doesn't matter. For sure. Like, it doesn't yeah. make a big difference to me. And if I don't ever get down to 170, it's not a big deal to me either. I just want yeah. to continue to be healthier. And so, um, you know, while I haven't lost any weight in, like, two months, I know I look thinner. Yeah. And I think part of that is my body is adjusted. My skin's probably tightened up and some stuff. But I have people every day go, you're still losing weight. I'm like, no, I'm not. I haven't for two months. Yeah. But I think that things have changed in my body to get used to being that much lighter. And so it looks like I've gotten thinner as well. Yeah. So, but I don't really, I don't know. It's maybe I'm weird. I'm probably super weird and that's okay. Cause I'd rather be weird than normal, but, uh, I just don't have a lot of goals. No, I think that's great. Um, 
because the, the, I say that's great because of the present that you're living, because I think that's something that's missed. I mean, I I know I've missed it. I've been way more present lately than in the past, which has helped me overcome many things. Um, but that's kind of cool actually that you just live so in the present and you're like, well, for me too, like sometimes goals are just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. And, and, and I get it. Like shoot for the stars, land on the moon, that whole mentality. I, I get it. Like you want to be great. And I think that's, that is great. I think if I were to give you like my long-term goal in life, I just, I want to leave a legacy behind. Yeah. I want to know that when I'm gone, the things I said, did, and taught to other people continue on and that they're different people because of our time together. So that's kind of my only long-term goal I really have in life is to be a person who leaves a legacy behind. And that legacy can easily just be my family. It can be just some people I've worked with. I don't really care because I've coached, but I want there to be some sort of a legacy there. But other than that, um, if I set the goal to be 199 by next week and I'm at 201, that is just... Yeah, it's mentally wrecking. Now, that being said, you have to celebrate all the wins. And that's a different mentality that I've gotten as well. You have to celebrate everything. Every little win has to be a celebration. And, and I remember probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I went to a seminar and, uh, you know, you've already given one quote by him. So Harv T. Ecker, yeah. or T. Harv Ecker, um, we had to take an arrow and we had to write on it our fears and like what held us back. And then you had to put that arrow on the soft part of your neck and you had to walk through that arrow and explode that arrow and hug the person holding on the other end. And I remember a couple of times like going to take that first step. I'm like, I, I could actually die from this. Like I could go through my throat. Yeah. And uh, I did it. I go through and I hug uh, the guy holding the, the arrow. And immediately I said, that wasn't a big deal. Like I, I didn't even know how to celebrate wins back then. I, I went through like this weird fear of dying for a second. I, I didn't I know I wasn't going to die because he wouldn't have it in his program if I was going to die. Well, I don't know. James Ray killed some people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but like it was immediately, that's no big deal. It was a big freaking deal. Yeah. You know? and, and if we don't celebrate every single win, and again, that goes back to the being present. Like if I had a, a Reese's peanut butter cup sitting in front of me and um, a cup of water and I chose the water, I should celebrate that. Yeah. Because that was a win of something that I easily could have gone a different direction that would have been worse for me. So you still have to celebrate the win. So if I, if I weigh 201, I should celebrate the four pounds. Yeah. But the human nature is not. For sure. It is to be pissed off about the two. Yeah. And so you have to change your mentality on what constitutes a win. And a win for me is making the correct decision in the moment. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, there are a few people that I coach that I tell them not to look at their weight every day. Um, I have them log it. So, I mean, it's tough because they have to log it and look yeah. at it, but I suggest to them that they look at it once a month. Yeah. Like you can look at the trend once a month, but that daily is for me. It's not for you yeah. because I can see, oh yeah, he's up two pounds. That's water. Cause it's been two days. Right. He didn't eat an extra 7,000 calories yesterday. So it's water. Yeah. And then a week from now they're happy. Yeah. You know, a month from now they're happy. There's six months. They're really happy. Now that's how I used to have to lose weight. I could only get on the scale once a week because I couldn't handle the plus one, yeah. plus two. I couldn't do it. And I remember you for a long time, you told me, get on the scale every day. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because I'm not going to handle this, the, the disappointment well. Yeah. And now I get on the scale every other day. Cool. Because that's what fits for my, yeah. my current journey. 
and I don't care what it says. That's the key. But it's still an indicator of how yes. I'm doing. It's data. So I need to know that, but I don't care. And there's been a couple of times I've been like, oh, really? Like I've been really good the last two months or two weeks or whatever it might have been. I'm really surprised that didn't change. But again, in the past, I would have blown up. Yeah. I would have lost it. And now it's just like, oh, that's, that's odd, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, and then that, that can shift mentally from that's odd, but it's okay to I'm up two pounds. Did I gain some muscle? Right. Like, well, that, that's a good point. I'm very curious. I should go do a body composition test because I want to know if I'm up some muscle. Yeah. So. And that's probably the key, right? If you understand, if you, the more data you have, the more knowledge you have, the less emotion. This goes back yes. to emotional intelligence. Yeah. And I talk about emotional intelligence and leadership all the time. How about emotional intelligence and weight loss and For understanding sure. what that pound or two positive or negative actually are? Because I used to make all my decisions based off the emotion of what the scale told me. Yeah. And so emotional intelligence, I will, I will tell anyone who's listening to this, like you, you need to figure out what emotional intelligence is and you need to be great at it because emotion ruins a lot of things. And when emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. Yeah. Thank you, T. Harv. Was that him too? Yes. What a, what well, a wise guy. I don't know if that's his quote, yeah. but he uses it he uses all the time, it. right? And so and I, haven't, I haven't read anything or listened to anything from that guy for decades. Well, probably a decade or so. But it still sticks with me. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, I think, I think truth does stick with you. For sure. Right? Get yeah. your mind right. Yeah. Like, I will go over and I, I will tell people that in every aspect of their life. Get your mind right. Yeah. And for me, that's Nate Trotsky. Like he's an infield coach in baseball and he teaches, get your mind right. That's cool. And, but it translates to everything. Yeah. Uh, I'll say how you do anything is how you do everything quite often. And, uh, we had an individual, uh, that we, we know, and, uh, they were like, that quote is not true. Like it's not true in my life. And I'm like, well, just cause you haven't learned it yet. Yeah. You know, it, exactly. it is true. It's a very true principle. It's just then you got to look at everything. You got to look at your relationships. You got to yeah. look at your, uh, how you are as an employee. You got to look at, and then you start to look at it and you're like, oh yeah, how you do anything is definitely how you yeah. do anything. So much truth to that. And I will even say, uh, relationship like cherish and I are in a better place than we've ever been. And I mean, that's probably cause I was a jerk for a long time and I've finally figured out to be more present to be, you know, in the moment when I can to actually show her that I care. And again, that's a byproduct of a mental state that I put myself in to lose weight. Yeah. So again, how you do anything, every aspect of my life is currently better that's so than cool. it was in November. Yeah. Not because I lost 95 pounds, but because I changed my mentality. I like that. That's powerful. That's good stuff. It can be, right? Yeah. It can be very powerful if we can figure it out. Yeah. Again, I wish I, had, I wish I could just tell people how to change that mindset. But everyone's so different. Uh, yeah. And yeah. their background and their upbringing, it's so different, right? Everything about your childhood made you who you are. Yeah. Your socioeconomic upbringing, the amount of love that was in the home, the way your parents treated each other, the friends you had, the teachers you had, all of that made you who you are. And it now makes you learn and see things differently than the rest of it. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah. I can't change someone's perspective necessarily until I completely understand them first. And the first person you have to understand is yourself. Yeah. And I think when you get to that point, that's when you can start to make changes. And then you just hope that something you say helps someone else make that change. Yeah. 
which it does way more than we believe. You know, I mean, I know there's been people that have reached out to you that are like, hey, how are you doing this? Yeah. Like, this is incredible. Or, uh, you know, there was uh, one or two that was a group in between both of us. Yeah. It was like, hey, guys. And I'm like, well, hey, I can teach you some nutritional stuff, but you got to talk to Brandon about the mental side. Like, but again, how do you teach it? Exactly. How do it's you tough. teach the mental side? Because if I could do that, and, and I'm talking in everything now, so like coaching, if I could teach my baseball players the mental side of the game, they will be a thousand times more successful. And all I can do is give them the tools. Yeah. They're the ones who have to figure out how that works for them. If I can give you the mental side of a weight loss journey, all I can give you is the tools, the be present, the be consistent, those things that I've done. Now you have to figure out how to make that a mental change. Yeah. I wonder if you just do come up with some of those principles, though, and throw it into a book. Because I think there's power in that. And I think, you know, I've thought about that before. Like, my journey can inspire other people. I mean, yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. Because other people's journeys have inspired me, mm -hmm. whether they were a weight loss journey or whether they were uh, uh, transformational in their mentality. All those things, of course, they, they, they affect us. But the key is, like, how do I take the, the, the principles and the tools that are effective to me and make them effective for other people? Yeah. And that I don't know exists. Now, I think you can pretend like it does. Yeah. And you can go sell a book based off of your, yeah. your what you pretend. But the truth of the matter is there's not a book that either of us have read that has changed our lives. Yeah. But there's some concepts in those books that we've taken internally and now made it a bigger deal for us. Um, Andy Andrews, you know, one of oh, my yeah. favorite of all time. So good. You read an entire book. I don't know. So if anyone's never read this book, I'm about to ruin it for you. Um, the Final Summit. At the end, it's two words. Yeah. It's two words that matter. And if you don't do something, then everything's going to end and ruin. Yeah. So do something. So I guess that's, you know, did that book change my life? No. But in November of this year, what did I have to do? I had to I do, had to something, do something. something. Right? And for me, that was mental change. And then diet after that. So we can pretend like the things that are in a book changed our lives, but they didn't. They just gave us a tool. And then if we decide to use that tool, then, then it can change our lives. So I know there's more to it. I know there's something that can get people to that state. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. But you see it all the time. Yeah. But and, you're, you're right. It's very individualized. And the successful people all have it. Yeah. But how did they get it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah, when I was in, uh, it was probably middle school, one of our neighbors called me a fat ass, and um, I just stopped eating for a summer. Yeah. And, like, that, although probably wasn't, you know, didn't change my complete trajectory on life, then I look at it and I'm like, maybe it did. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's my life now. Yeah. It's all health and fitness. Right. Which is really interesting. And you didn't know what you were doing. No. But guess what you were doing? Fasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You, you had no purpose behind it other than like, I'm not gonna be a fat ass. Yeah. But I mean, you're, you knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So innately our, maybe our body knows. Yeah. I, we just I need to ask it, it. I think it does. How often do you eat? Because it's time to eat. Yeah. Not because you're hungry. Yeah. Not because your body needs nutrition, but because it's time. They told me I was supposed to eat at 8 a.m. noon and 5 p.m. Because that's the most important meal of the day. The lunch and the family dinner. Yeah. What if you're not hungry? Yeah. And, what, and what if you are hungry, but you only needed a few bites and then you felt good instead of eating all of it? Well, there's starving children in China. 
<laughs> so up. eat that plate. No, that's a bit Kira's biggest takeaway in that three days was that she wasn't really hungry, but she just felt like, oh, I'm in the kitchen, so I need food. Yeah. It's like it's just a habit. Like yeah. eating is just a habit. And then you think, like, how much money did we save in those three days by not eating? And how much time did I gain? You know, Absolutely. if I'm eating three hours a day, yeah. well, now what if she's working on wedding videos? What if I'm doing a podcast? What if I can coach a class? What if I can market the business a little more? Absolutely. Pretty crazy. Yeah. It, it, if you figured out the money side alone, a three day fast once a month would be very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Very beneficial. Take that money and put it in Bitcoin. There you go. There you go. <laughs> or, or see if Elon will give you some more of what he's given away. But what's he giving away? Bitcoin. Oh, I didn't know he's oh, giving away Bitcoin. It's all over Twitter. Yeah. They all think he's lost his mind. Interesting. Yeah. Figure you'd give away Shiba Inu or well, that's Dogecoin. What I, uh, that's what I'd give away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, I don't know, in a, in a 72 hour fast. So for me, that's two meals a day, right? Cause I don't eat a third meal. Yeah. And you figure on average, you're spending 10 to 12 bucks for food, even if you're not eating a lot. So 25 bucks a day for three days, 75 bucks, $75 that you could do what with go buy a book. Yeah. That would help you a ton. Go give it to someone who can't afford food. Like just go drop groceries on their doorstep for that they have no idea where it came from. Cause I'm a huge fan of being the silent donor. Yeah. I think that if you can give and not get any credit, that that's the life we should all live. Yeah. But you could do all that once a month if you just decided to listen to your body. It's pretty cool. It is. I like it. Um, so just finishing up. And I, you've kind of said it, so I'm. it's probably just repeating, but what are two of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout this journey? Be consistent. Be present. Because if I'm consistent, then I know that the success, success will come, however I define it. And if I'm present, I only have to make one decision and not a decision for the next 30 or 60 days. I only have to make the one decision right now in this moment on whether or not I should eat that or drink that or do this or do that. I really believe those two principles for me are life-changing. Be present and be consistent. And I think that translates to everything you do. If you're present, we, again, that's, that's an easy one to me. Consistency, if you kiss your wife goodbye every day before you leave the house, even if you don't want to, because you got in a fight last night, but consistency, right? It's gonna make that relationship better. If you go to the gym every single day and do whatever you're doing, whether it's cardio or it's building muscle, and you do it every day because you're consistent, not because you know there's a result coming, over time, you will get all the results you're looking for. But being consistent in whatever you choose has to stick because a week of doing something and then quitting because it didn't work is not being consistent. Yeah. So I think those two principles really, for, for me anyway, are the two that I, I now look at as, as life-changing principles and, and really staples in my life that I believe in along with question everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, I really appreciate that. That is, I think that's such great advice. And I would imagine that making that present decision makes the next decision a little bit easier. I definitely agree with that, you know, because 
even if the current decision was the wrong decision, it makes the next decision easier because I know that what I ate didn't make me feel good. So the next decision, the next be present decision, it's easier to choose between the, the good and the bad because I don't want to feel bad again. I want to feel Sorry. good. So I think that's, I think you're right. Even if you make the wrong decision in the moment, the next decision is easier because you know how the wrong decision made you feel. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Net positive decisions. Yeah. So it might have been a bad decision, but it was a net positive. Absolutely. That's cool. Okay. Well, we need to do this again at possibly 170. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll see where each day takes me. Yeah. And maybe 180 is the magic number. Maybe. We'll see where it's at. But yeah, always happy to, to sit down and talk because that's how we uh, figure out a lot of things in this world. Yeah, I agree. Mastermind. So, that's right. Almost like someone can read Think and Grow Rich and then learn the principles behind weight loss. Interesting. Yeah. So It all ties in, right? It all ties in. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you. And um, where can people find you? I mean, do you... Uh, it, do, maybe that doesn't even matter to you. It doesn't. Okay, cool. Yeah, it doesn't. But... Uh, I've got Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I, I don't really use them for much. I mean, Facebook is a way to connect with people I've known my whole life, and yeah. I share that journey on there yeah. because I hope it helps somebody. But really, other than that, you know what? I hope you just see me in the street. And cool. That's good enough for me. Cool. That's awesome. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks.